Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with strength and power coach at the Brisbane Lions in the AFL, Bryn Abad. Okay, thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today we have, well, I have the pleasure to speak with Bryn Abad from the Brisbane Lions. So welcome to the podcast, Bryn. Thanks very much, Rob. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you, mate. So do you just want to give us a little bit of background on you? And if anyone doesn't know who you are, a little bit of um, information on what you're currently doing. Yeah, sure. Look, I currently, um, I'm the, the strength and power coach uh, for the for the Brisbane Lions, and uh, I go a little bit way back into the dinosaur years. Um, my experience is is predominantly actually in, in rugby. I uh, I started with the Australian Rugby Union with the with the great Kelvin Giles, and uh, spent uh, a couple of years uh, working with what we call the National Talent Squad. So basically, working with uh, elite juniors. Uh, from the ages of 14 to 18 and and basically that program was about um, you know, giving uh, those elite juniors the you know the opportunity to play play wallaby level um, after that I I moved on to the uh, to the Queensland Reds which was a uh, four or five year period and, and I worked as the strength and power and, and rehabilitation coordinator uh, then I um, I had a had a little break and 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 moved on to to, to work with the Firebirds for a four year period and and here I am now working um, in a in a completely new sport uh, working in in, a, in AFL. Nice. So how do you get? I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier when I came to Brisbane and didn't know what the hell was going on when I went to an AFL game. How yeah. do you um, how do you make that transition from a completely different sport to to work in AFL? Is there a, how much bedding in time do you get to actually figure out what's going on and the demands of the sport and things like that? Yeah, it's a very good question. Not not Rob, not a lot, not a lot of time because we really need to. We obviously need to get going. We have a we have a nineteen week preseason in AFL and and basically that is uh, not a pure nineteen weeks because we actually start playing um, in in February. So and then we start the actual season in March. So. We really have to get the guys get the guys going. I think it's a matter of, um, you know, the, look, the methodologies and the principles, you know, pretty much remain the same as rugby and and and, and netball and any any other type of sport that you that you work in. And I think it's a matter of actually uh, really, um, you know, doing a lot of homework. And and you know, just recently I've spent um, several. Several hours working with the, the skills coaches on on video footage and just understanding uh, what the game's about. Because obviously we have a we have a roster of forty eight players, so um, it's a, it can be pretty tough to to kind of learn learn about each individual. So it's been a quite a big process over the last three months for me. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, actually. How much time do you not 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 necessarily just at the start of a of a career in a sport, but all the way through, how much time are you spending or would you ideally spend with a, with a technical coach? 
Um, and the, the reason I asked that is because the the um, couple of questions that we fired over was was kind of the, how closely work with the head coach. But it'd be interesting to see how you work with all the kind of different layers of the the coaching department and different aspects and things. Yeah, look, I, as as a strength power coach um, in, in AFL, it's funny. There's 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 two different stories there. I think that. When I was working um, as a physical performance coach for the Firebirds, which I've you know spent spent four years um, there from two two thousand and thirteen to two thousand and sixteen, the I, I think that's been a it's been a critical it's been a critical factor um, in ensuring the communication is 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 a class because in terms of leadership and and knowledge, you need to make sure that you're able to to really clarify and be clear and concise where you want to take the program. Um, you know, without that, I think that if you can't lay that foundation, I think that you're running into a little bit of trouble. And um, the coach doesn't understand where you're taking, well, neither do the players. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really a matter of finding out what the coach needs, what the coach wants, and what the coach's expectation is of you. And I think that if you can get that outlaid pretty quickly, you can have quite a successful program um, because then you've kind of got, well, okay, this is where we're taking it and uh, you can make make some good decisions around uh, your planning your planning and programming. Mm-hmm. I've obviously done a lot of, um, well, 100, nearly 120 podcasts and the thing that comes across is the in so many of them is this importance of communication with the with the team as a whole. But so, loads of people have said it. But how do you actually go about mm. creating them communication lines? Yeah. From a you know you, you come into a job yesterday. What's the first thing you do to kind of establish yourself and build them bridges? Look, I, look, I think the first thing in any any type of experience, S and C, or even if I've if I'm going to pass down any advice to anybody who's coming into leading a program, is that. The first thing we did, uh, what first thing we did in the Firebirds program was, what ask the coach what do they want, and mm-hmm. I got a ton of information um, from that, and and it was only it was actually only a couple of things, Robin, and it was a couple of things was that number one, um, she wanted every single player available for the whole season, uh, and and going from. You know, uh, you know, like a man of your experience, and uh, to our listeners, that's that's quite well research based now in terms of success. Success of a season is based on, um, you know, what cattle you've got available, and you basically need to have your best uh, best cattle available to win a to win premierships. So we we sat down to have a really good look at our playing roster, what we need to do, and what we need to plan to ensure that outcome was successful. Um, we had um, it was a little bit hit and miss, a little bit of a story. It was a little bit hit and miss in the first year for me, but we looked at the injury data. We, made, we actually made the first year I was in. We made the grand final and we lost. And we looked at our injury data. We had very, very good stats, but we had a lot of um, foot complaints. We had a little plantar fasciitis. Um, so basically, that that really helped us plan the next season. Um, I think secondly, the biggest thing that came out above as well above that was that we had a we had a little bit of a saying, and that was that skill is king. And um, if we're going to have a roster that's going to get better at the game, we need to make sure that they're available for training as much as we possibly can. 
which again um, in the case that you in the case of, you know you're going to have a have a better season than than your uh, than your opposition. You've got all your players on the park, so to speak. So were you were you incorporating any of this? I mean, obviously, skill is king. Um, kind of uh, theory into um, into your sessions, or was that strictly for the for the coaches and the coaches' side of? Side oh, of I think I think mainly. Look, I think mainly the coaches, the coaches, the coaches were um, doing a lot of that work. I think you know actually building the season uh, was really important. Actually, putting the season in front of front of the coach. I asked the coach, "Well, what what are your needs?" and and she basically actually outlined outla- out, outlined the whole preseason for me. She said, "So, what do you want?" And she basically we got three twelve weeks, and she put down all the sessions that she wanted and how she wanted to do it. And then basically, I looked at it and said, "Okay, well, I think this is the best way that we can do it. This is the way we're going to progress things. Um, you know, we're going to have specific goals for each each month." Um, and uh, we we gradually gradually increased the load, um, SNC based, um, and really when it came down to it was that we 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 basically just to give the listeners a little bit of a uh, an idea of what what we do what we do do we have a we have uh, three strength sessions uh, we have two conditioning sessions and we have basically four four core sessions. Um, and we basically built that up over the over the four weeks to make sure that everything was progressed very gradually. And in the end, and people basically laugh at me at this. They we were considered. We 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 made four grand finals in four years. We won in two thousand fifteen and won in two thousand and sixteen. We probably had the lowest injury rate in the ANZ Championship. And people actually asked me, you know, well, what did you do for conditioning? Your, your team looked really fit. You didn't have any injuries and. We actually did 24 minutes of conditioning a week, um, and the reason we did that was because just watching and learning about the game, um, it was really, really the girls really played quite hard in their practice, and they were practicing for 90 minutes, and very, very similar to uh, football or soccer, where they wanted them playing pretty much immediately. So every Friday night they would be playing games. So it was a matter of actually, you know, kind of working through that and making sure that everything was progressed um, to the point of making them extremely uh, uh, resilient. We had, um, we didn't have any. We had about two soft tissue, two soft tissue injuries for over the, over the four year period, and um, zero anterior cruciate ligament injuries. That so was quite a quite a good four years for us. Mm-hmm. So, what did that twenty five minutes look like on the conditioning side of things? Yeah, it's uh, we basically look. We basically um, the game of netball is very, very acceleration, deceleration based. Lots of eccentric, uh, eccentric load. So what we did was we introduced court work. Um, we built it up to four sessions a week, so Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And what we did is we did the conditioning on a Tuesday and Thursday after the sessions. And all we did was we used. Um, a fair amount of Eurofit, so we did a lot of uh, MAS work, um, and uh, basically we did that for the four, first four weeks, and then we um, kept that all in a straight line. And then after that, what we did was after we we were confident that the girls had enough load in them, uh, we actually brought um, some very very hybridy type of Tabata work, um, hit hit stuff into. Uh, 
into the court sessions um, after their skills. And it, they, the girls got very, very resilient and fit from that. If anyone doesn't know what Eurofit is, do you just want to give us a bit of an explanation, maybe a couple of examples? Yeah, basically, um, we we basically we do it for our testing, Rob. We do a, a yo-yo test, and then we base our maximal aerobic speed, our calculations off that yo-yo test. So, really, based on an individual on how fit they are, we could prescribe, um, you know, the meters the meters per second that we wanted them running. And generally, with our girls, we do a sort of a 10, on, 10 seconds on, 10 second off protocol. Um, and we work them up to around about 120% of their um, maximal aerobic speed. Mm-hmm. So with, with such a fantastic um, soft tissue or lack of soft tissue injury record, what was the, and obviously been the, the emphasis of, of from the coach to say that they want everyone on the, on the court all the time, mm-hmm. what did the injury prevention strategy look like and how was that, what did that look like kind of day-to-day was that incorporating in court sessions was that strictly gym-based stuff how, how did that look along the way we had um look the first like just general, general preparation the first uh the first few weeks uh, a lot of our load was based on rpe rate of perceived exertion um and we had we had four or five goals at the start at the start of the at the start of the season and we ran this for around about four weeks. We had um, load one, load two, load three, then a little bit of a taper. So each subsequent, each subsequent week, we'd actually load a little bit heavier. Um, but what we do is I had a, I had a one-page summary of where we, were taking, um, where we were taking the team in which I was able to share with the coach. Um, the first one was to, to maximize specific work capacity on the minimal emotional stress. The second one was to increase the ability of the athlete to recover between specific performances. And one of the big things for us was um, tissue resilience. So, you know, increase increase uh, functional mass and strength of the muscle tendon complex and, and just attack resolve reliability towards maximum performance. So we kind of worked around those five goals and how we did that initially was we we wanted to build the the girls to four sessions, and by the fourth week we were doing four four sessions. But what we did was we did um, we just basically worked on three sessions a week, and then we were working on a back to back. So Monday, Tuesday, back to back. Wednesday, completely off. Thursday, Friday, back to back. And what we found was that really got the girls really resilient, and then they had the weekends off. So four hard days: uh, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday off. Um, and then on top of that, we had a very, very kind of we had a very, very large strength emphasis with um, you know with a uh, you know a progressive looking a progressive look at our skills. So we can cut down um, we cut down a lot of that competitive type of work in the first couple of weeks. Without all they were doing is just skills, so they weren't competing against each other. Uh, had a big emphasis on strength. We didn't have a lot of emphasis on conditioning. So that four weeks was just a matter of laying the foundation. And once we'd laid that foundation, um, it was a matter of actually just letting them go. And they got really resilient in that four weeks. So I think in the first year, we went a little bit hard at them and we, we, we learned from that. In the second, third, fourth, we got the, we got the system and the structure right. So how long was the preseason total? Around about 12 weeks. 12 weeks, okay. So... I- 
So how did that differ at the at the start of the, the the first block to the to the last block? How were you making that transition into the in season period? Yeah, the transition look the transition phase. We were looking to basically basically lift, lift fatigue. Um, we we had a major focus on as we moved into that last block, that last sort of four weeks. We had a a major focus on skill and game based work. Um, and what we did was we we obviously we dropped we dropped the we dropped volume um, and we we kept the we kept our intensity we kept our intensity really high and that's how we moved into that into that into that arena. Um, what we did do and what we did do was to help that was again each session had its theme so. For example, on a Monday we'd have a we'd have a, a you know like a, a very moderate intensity on Monday. Then Tuesday we go hard. Then we'd have a regen day on Wednesday, back to moderate on Thursday, and then Friday was our game based work. So, um, and then basically after that, after that, moving into the competition phase, um, we dropped off. You know, we dropped off our, our game based work. Um, we made our Thursday session our very very hard session. Um, in the competitive phase, and then Monday and Tuesday were sort of softer recovery, recovery type sessions to just to get them into the week, and then and then off we went. So games were Sundays or Saturdays? It just depended on very very similar to any sport. We had sort of longish turnarounds, we had short turnarounds. They could either play on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and that would just be depended on how we planned planned our um, planned our training. Mm-hmm. So did, did did the girls know? These different emphasis emphases of sessions. Obviously, they got to know, but were they communicated with saying this is how it's going to work? This is how the structure is going to work. This is your Monday session, so they kind of know in advance what's what's actually coming. Yeah, big, big, that was Rob. That was a big part of the buy, and I think that that ensuring that the girls knew the plan was transparent uh, and and a little bit easier with netball because we had we only had 12, 12 players. And uh, I think that the communication is is extremely high in that arena. You can really get quite specific with the girls. You can you can really work on um, individual capacities. Um, it's a little bit easier than than working with a you know with a rugby with a rugby team or an AFL side with you know with sort of three times the numbers, four times the numbers. Just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Bryn. Hope you enjoyed part one. Just want to thank uh, today's sponsors, as always, Val Performance. So, obviously makers of the Nordboard, which came out a couple of years ago now. But if you want to check out their new product, which is called the Groin Bar, which assesses groin and hip strength, you can follow them on Twitter at Groin Bar or get some more information on the website at groinbar.com. So, really appreciate their sponsorship and their support, not just in the in the in the form of the sponsorship of the podcast, but you know, kind of personal advice and and the great relationship that I've got with them guys down there. So, got some good guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. Don't forget, you can check out all previous episodes of the podcast in the new home, which is strengthofscience.com. And on there, you can find uh, plenty of articles and the audio abstract which is basically deciphering um, research articles by the person that wrote them in a video form. So I'd love to have your feedback on any of them aspects of the new site. 
In part two, Bryn is going to chat about what's actually uh, what actually goes on in different in the different days, uh, especially in pre-season, how the the start of pre-season differs to the end of pre-season, uh, and really getting some detail what it, what each day looks like uh, in the gym and on the field. So I hope you enjoy part two, and I will speak to you soon. So I don't know if this is just my experience, but I've I've only worked with one group of girls, and it was a uh, a massive well I had to change my mentality massively and it was partly because they were they were part time compared to the the lads that I'd worked with who were full time but the the kind of detail that I had to go into to explain why we were doing something was so much greater than the the full time male guys that I'd worked with was that just me or is that something that is is similar for you guys over there as well with working with the girls it, they want to know what they're doing and why they're doing it before anything else happens. Yeah, look, you you, you nailed it. Um, actually, I've had the exact same experience. There, I think the girls and the word I use is curiosity. Yes. Um, yeah. Really, very, very curious. Really love to chase the education and why they're why they're doing things. We spend a lot of time um, actually away from training and look just. And I wish I could do this with every athlete and just spending half an hour with them over a cup of coffee and kind of going, well, this is where, you know, where we're going to take them. And, and look, I think they really uh, they really appreciated that. Uh, so, look, I think that, look, I completely agree. Um, they're a totally, totally different animal working um, than with males and that they just want to know exactly what's happening and uh, why we're doing it. And once they know why you're doing something, I think the buy-in is huge. Mm-hmm. So just moving over to the the current role, how does that experience of, of working with the um, working with the girls what's transferred over to the working back with the lads? Yeah, like I I think the big thing is is, is you know eighty percent of the role Rob is is look it's very very much communication and as much as time that takes working with a with a large number of players. You need to be able to make sure that you get your message across to them and, and where you're where you're taking them. Uh, it just gives that just gives that player uh, a lot of clarity, and I think I think in today's age, the players do do want that and they do need that. So I think that that has assisted me greatly with um, uh, as a practitioner with my leadership type style. You know, communication is the key. You can have you can have a, a thousand tests and uh, you know, screening tests and RPEs and how they're feeling and so forth. But uh, we've all heard it. You've got to ask. You've got to ask the question: How are you going? Where do you want to go? And, and goal set. I think that's really critical. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned about the, the kind of communication you had with the head coach at the Firebirds. Mm. How much? How much different is it at the um, at the Lions? If if you can say, please say if you if you if you can't. By the way. Um, how, how much how much emphasis do, ha- do they have on what you do compared to the the Firebirds? I think that well, I, I think number one is is that uh, it is a great number of staff at the, at the Lions and AFL, and the way that it works is the high performance manager has a lot of communication uh, with the coach, and then that sort of that all that kind of filters filters down, um, and having one role is it is completely different to. Um, what I've come from in the last four years as a physical performance manager because basically what you're doing is all the decisions um, when I was at the Firebirds are with me 
Um, but um, this is another experience for me working with AFL, and it's, it's something I've come from as well. Is that you're uh, you've got a role, and you've got you've got one role, and you've got to do that role well. Which I, um, you know, you're going to own that role, and I really uh, I, I really enjoy that. Um, but, uh, yeah, you you don't have a lot of communication with the head coach in terms of physical passes and so forth. That's probably more the high performance manager's role in in AFL. Does that make it more difficult or no different given the given the amount of people to go through to get not the answers but get to really know the the kind of detail of of what's required for what happens on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday or whenever you play? I think staff wise, you, you know, you need to be all over it. I think that um, uh, from my point of view, from a strength point of view, uh, the lads are working Monday, Wednesday, Friday on field. And uh, you, you need to have your head around uh, what type of sessions they are. So from my point of view, I need to make sure that the communication, my, my communication with the, head, with, the, with, the, with the league guy is important because, um, you know, if you're going at them too hard, you're affecting the next day, particularly if they're, if they're playing. So, yeah, look, it, it's, it's a matter of making sure that you know exactly where the program is going um, you know, particularly that if you're not leading the program like it was um, for four years, you need to make sure that um, you know you've got your head around loading, running load, which is which is quite as you know is quite high and quite high in AFL. So I'm guessing that you'll have quite a lot of communication with the with the GPS guys to actually know what what's been done on the field, so you can modify things in in your arena. Yes, yes, we've got. Um, We've got a we've got a, a great sports science guy uh, with the lines, and he gives me some um, really good information on terms of um, sprint meters, you know, high speed meters, um, and you know the distance that that, that they're covering, um, and and even even forecasting what they're looking at as well. So yeah, I, I can get a good look at what's happening and how I can you know manipulate my my loading over you know over a week or so. Mm-hmm. So. Given that, given a say, we're on a, a Thursday and and the start of the week was quite high. How are you modifying your sessions and what might it have, what might it have looked like if it was a bit lighter uh, during them kind of first couple of days in the week, and what might it look like after the modification? So, is it reducing the amount of volume? Is it reducing the intensity? Is it both? Is it kind of density? How are you how are you structuring things to kind of lessen that load and the lads? Yeah, it can be all. Look, we, we look. We want to try and you know at the at the moment we're going into um, we're going into match play. So basically, we do you know we're building up to sort of three by twenty minutes on a Friday. So we're we're going quite hard at them. So on that on that Thursday, the day before, we'll go for more of a um, more of a powery day um, rather than you know sort of loading them up too heavy, choosing exercises that don't have. Um, so much eccentric load, um, so they're not they're not coming into uh, the next day. We, uh, you know, sort of high risk. Uh, Tuesday would be more of our day where we you know we we do get that that max strength, um, loading them up, making sure that you know we're maintaining those physical qualities that we've built um, in the previous weeks. Um, so it's something that we've got to be very very uh, very very mindful before we go into um, to ma- to match play. We've uh, 
we also take in consideration of how much work we've done as well. We've, you know, we've put a lot of quite a fair amount of work into them strength-wise. Um, the human organism, as you know, is quite. It's an incredible. It, it uh, they adapt um, very, very quickly, so they they do get used to it, and it it still is presence pre-season for us as well. So we've got to be mindful that we don't back off uh, too much. Mm-hmm. So on the on this power day, and again, please say if you you can't kind of elaborate anymore. But what does that power day look like? Yeah, look, at it, oh, no, it's no problem to elaborate at all. It's, it's look, it's not, none of it's um you know, rocket, rocket science, but we're more sort of working on the, the continuum of, you know, sort of a lower percentage of their of their 1RMs um, and just making it sort of ballistic as we possibly can. Um, and then on the Tuesday, we're looking at more of a, you know, max strength days. We're going to be working up to, um, you know, sort of brief maximal tension, at least up into that, into that 90%, 80 90% range. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're looking at the you know all the power type of exercises that you look, look you'd be looking at, you know, um, barbell jump squat, uh, med ball, med ball throws, all those sort of dynamic activities that um, that are more sort sort of more specific, um, rather than loading them up too heavy where they just go in so heavy into a into into match play. So something that's kind of a bit of bone of contention, maybe I'm not quite sure in the AFL, but certainly in rugby, and that's the use of Olympic lifts. Do you guys do you guys Olympic lift down at the Lions? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, it it is, and look, I'm not. I'm certainly not uh, anti uh, anti Olympic lifting. There's many roads to Rome, but um, look, we look, we haven't got a lot of time. Um, we've got a, a pretty young side as well. We don't have a lot of time to actually lay the foundation of getting good quality Olympic lifting in. It takes, as you know, it takes a lot of time to teach. Um, so, look, I, you know, personally, personally, I prefer to be, you know, sort of chasing um, exercises that are, that are less technical, more bang for your buck um, than than uh, Olympic lifting. But certainly, you know, we do have guys that, um, you know, Olympic lift quite well. You know, we've got guys that. Can Olympic lift. They can power clean 120 kilos. And look, I've got no problem um, using that using that lift with those those type of guys. Um, you know, in, in those under those circumstances. But then we've got some younger guys. You know, we've sort of got 10 guys at 18, 19 years of age, and they, they haven't got a lot of a, a lot of background in strength. So we've got to kind of go to that bang for your buck type of um, you know squat, RDL, and, and so forth to get these guys stronger. So what was your um, what was your experience of working with Kelvin? Oh, what can I say? Look, oh, he, he's a great man. He's, <laughs> look, he's 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 had a lot of um, what can I say? Look, he's had a lot of influence on me over that first two or three, and he still he still does. I still catch up with um, with Kelvin, and I think that's the where I, I still think that Kelvin's right on the mark with building, particularly with young athletes. Um, he still influences me in terms of building the young athlete up. Um, you know, certainly, I really do like his. I like his general. I like his general principles. Um, you know, long and strong and push pull. Um, you know, hinging. You know, all those basic movements, making sure that you earn the right to progress. Um, you know, force. You know, force reduction. Um, all those types of principles have been something that I've learnt. Uh, learnt well, and I think that um, yeah, it's 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 he's gone a long way of um, actually still still he's very very um, influential over my programming. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And he's back in Brisbane. He is back in Brisbane. I haven't actually haven't haven't caught up with him, but um, yeah, no, I'd like to do that uh, do that shortly. Nice. Well, he, he did a podcast. Uh, what was it eighty four? I think an absolute absolute whirlwind. It was absolutely class. Yeah, one of the most popular episodes I've I've ever had. So that was uh, that was great. After months and months of uh, stalking him to uh, <laughs> influence him to come on the podcast, so it was good to get him on. Um, but where can people find out what you've got going on? Are you active on social media at all? Uh, I haven't I haven't had a lot of time to be on social media. Honestly, yeah. Um, good. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things too. I, I try and. I've got a, a guy named who's mentored me a fair bit as well, and that guy named Damien Marsh, and we, we've chatted about um, social media. Too. There's a lot of a lot of white noise out there, and I try to kind of I try to kind of block it out sometimes. And at the moment, I've been so busy um, with my work that I you know I haven't got on the I haven't done a lot of uh, social media content at the moment. No, it's cool, mate. Is, is Damien uh, British? Or is he an Aussie? He's an Aussie. Yes. Easy. All oh, right. Okay. I just rung a bell, and I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was a Brit. That's cool. You're safe there, and you're all right. Um, so half an hour up, um, and I just want to. Uh, I'm just conscious of time after you, after you've had a busy day and need to get that shoulder rested. Um, so I just want to uh, thank you for your time, and uh, really appreciate you coming on. And um, yeah, thanks for giving up your time and, and giving us your insights. No, no, I really, uh, really appreciate it, Rob. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Hopefully, it's uh, there's some some helpful content there. For your listeners. Absolutely. No doubt, mate. No doubt. So uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thank you. See you soon, Rob. Cheers, mate. Thanks for tuning in to episode 120 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Bryn. Just a quick reminder before I let you go, you can check out all previous episodes of the podcast on strengthofscience.com. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, uh, which is at strengthofsci. S-C-I at the end and you can check out all the articles that are, that are posted on there one that came out uh, early in the week was the one by Paul Gamble which has gone down an absolute treat uh, people are absolutely loving that so thank you Paul for contributing to the website and I'd encourage everyone to check it out so I hope you tune in uh, later down the line and enjoy more episodes of the podcast speak to you soon